3: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from housetoports.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, I have a story about my mother to share to kick off this episode about tankles, the portmanteau of calf and ankle. Whoa. So. When a listener wrote us about doing an episode on kinkles, I wanted to immediately because I remembered this moment in my childhood crystallized in my brain for some reason of my dear mother, well meaning I'm sure, telling me, apropos of nothing, <laughs> Chris, to be glad you've got slender ankles like me. Oh, I went to school with a girl. I think her name was Mary. And she had the fattest ankles. And I I just remember thinking, I had no idea. Like, for the first time, I looked down and actually saw my ankles. And ever since then, I've kind of never stopped looking at them, terrified of the day that, what if I go home and Mom looks down and I've got Mary's ankles? Oh, no. You know? I, n- I never knew that that was a thing until my mother told me. Huh.
0: Yeah, I feel like, well, the whole word cankle is sort of a new invention relatively. I feel like that attitude about slender ankles versus stocky ankles and what that means, supposedly, and how it affects your attractiveness, I feel like that's
3: been around for quite a while. Yeah. And so we're going to dig into cankles and where this idea came from that in order to have a a fully attractive feminine figure, it involves the slender ankle. Yeah. So arbitrary, right? It does seem so arbitrary. And yet women are getting plastic surgery in order to achieve that slender ankle look. This was a story reported on uh, in fall 2014 from ABC News on what they termed the boot bulge of women going under the knife so they can fit into their fall boots. I, uh,
0: yeah, they, they talked to Matthew Shulman, who's a plastic surgeon in New York City, and he said, oh, it's definitely a thing. He said, especially this time of year when some women aren't able to wear the boots they want. And I mean, I know that some women's calves are shaped in such a way that they need a boot with a bigger leg opening. But I had not heard of this apparent epidemic of humans who uh, don't like their ankles enough that they're going to pursue plastic surgery.
3: Yeah, nor was this the first time that ABC News had reported on this plastic surgery trend in quotes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's an ep- to epidemic proportions, because when you talk to these plastic surgeons, they'll usually say, oh, I get around 50 women in a year coming in for it. But it's reported on as if it's an epidemic, mm-hmm. which only further leads to this question of like, but wow, wh- why, why are we even talking about it? So the first thing we wanted to uncover was how and when slender ankles became a feminine beauty standard. Because again, so it's so far, far, it's like at the opposite end of of our bodies. (laughs) Why? Why worry about them? Well, I guess we worry about them now
0: because we wear clothes or we wear a lack of clothes that showcase our legs and ankles, as opposed to back in the day of, I mean, forever, Victorian era, particularly when you're wearing these huge dresses with bustles and everything. And so your your legs and definitely your ankles are covered. So there was almost no there was almost no social etiquette fashion rule for what your legs, let alone your ankles, should look like. Right,
3: because no one saw them. Right. So no big deal. Um, but it's around the 1910s and moving into the World War One era when hemlines inched above the ankle. And so, like you said, Caroline, they're on display for the very first time. And um, these hemlines were referred to as the new crinoline or war crinoline. And this... Above the ankle, hemline was referred to as the new crinoline or war crinoline. Um And it was brought about largely because more women were working due to World War I. And, of course, the hemlines continued to rise through the late 1920s with the flapper era, although they would then drop down again in the 1930s. But still, by then, the ankle was fully on display. Yeah, scandalous.
0: So... You know, we we still haven't hit on exactly why a slender ankle is the ideal versus, you know, why don't we value a stockier ankle? Or just like every ankle's fine the way it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Every ankle is sacred. Well, we looked at this book called Ideal Images and Kinsey's Women by June mockover Reinisch. And she talks about the Gibson girl who came to us courtesy of illustrator Charles Dana Gibson. And this particular woman had slender ankles when shown. So she, when she, as she lifted up her dress, she, uh, displayed curvaceous calves that tapered down to a slender ankle. And so this was one of the first pop culture, if you will, uh,
3: references to what an ankle maybe should look like. Right. Because the Gibson girl was the embodiment of idealized Edwardian beauty that then leading into the early 20th century. And so there, every now and then she would be shown in her bathing suit. Ooh. And I thought it was interesting too, how that shape of the, the shapely calf leading into the more tapered ankle, sort of the inverse of that idealized hourglass figure up top. And it also is significant that in the 1920s, as legs became far more of a beauty focus, because for the first time we're really seeing them outside of the house, this was also when the more curvaceous, matronly figure that was hailed during the Edwardian era was replaced by by the stick-straight, thin ideal of the flapper era. So we were priding ourselves in thinness more than before, and that just trickled on down to our ankles. It sure did trickle down. But even before the 1920s, if you look
0: to 1915 in the Gazette Times, there was an article penned by a ballerina, a prima donna Lucrezia Bori, uh, titled How to Make Your Ankles Really Slender and Shapely. And she writes, or maybe she writes, I don't know, she put her name to it, a heavy shapeless ankle is almost a deformity... And no exertion should be spared to reduce its size. You can never associate dainty with a woman who has large ankles. What?
3: So immediately, right out of the gate, we have this perception. Well, sure, because I I think it's the same kind of thing that we hear about with women's slender wrists. There is this idea of slender wrists and slender ankles, in particular, being associated with feminine Grace, Mm -hmm. daintiness, Mm -hmm. and that word dainty jumps out because it it does seem like we have this rather bizarre association between not only slender ankles, but also slender wrists Mm -hmm. and this idea of the dainty, graceful woman, particularly at this time, which I mean, she's kind of becoming more of the new woman. But still, it's uh, that's those are the hallmarks of a woman and a parent isn't it too kind of symbolic in the fact that it's not we want more of the the slender um foundation rather than like a, a sturdy solid foundation does it perhaps Caroline reflect the changing gender roles of the time oh yeah wanting women to take up less space both mm. physically
0: and in the political social spheres uh,
3: yes it could be it I mean we might be. be getting a little too deep. On it. But I, I like where we're going. Yes. Well, there are also, in addition to these recommended exercises for women to keep their ankles slender, which, fact, you you can't spot reduce the size of your ankles. Ankle no. exercises, no matter what Lucrezia Bori says, uh, will not change the shape of your ankles. There were also products to. Help women uh, achieve this slender ankle ideal, including things like ankle corsets and that's spelled with a k in kardashian style and there are also shoes designed such as the foot saver, which were specifically designed to uh supposedly keep women's ankles at least appearing more slender
0: but I mean this is to me this this is insane to to go back and uncover this history of ankle slenderizing products, because you think of things like this as more of a modern, you know, panic fueled by women's magazines who are out to make everyone feel bad about their bodies, you know, indirectly. But but no, I mean, there are these great but terrible old advertisements featuring illustrations of these ankle corsets that I'm sure by the end of the day, your foot would be completely black and blue from wearing it.
3: Well, and I mean and also too this was still being these ideas were still being perpetuated in in women's magazines. Yeah. You know, like it's uh it's just what's more astounding is that we're getting these same messages today. Right. So, that leads us up to this word kinkle, which when we talk about kinkles today, it is an insulting portmanteau referring to the the cankle ankle combo, uh, implying that there is no definition between the two. Right. Essentially, from your knee to your foot, it's it's relatively shapeless.
0: Right. But it actually got its start as a different portmanteau that blended the words canker and ankle to mean a foot sore in a 1996 essay by sci-fi writer Don Webb.
3: Yeah, and we got that tidbit from uh, a post by Autumn Whitefield Madrano over at her fantastic blog, The Beheld, in which she also wanted to know where did this Kenkel thing come from? And I was so surprised to learn that the source of Kenkel, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than a 2001 cinematic masterpiece called Shallow Hal. Shallow Hal, starring Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit, Jack Black, and Jason Alexander, whose character is a jerk and always fat-shaming Gwyneth Paltrow's character. And he uses cankle to describe, uh, quote, It's like the calf merged with the foot and cut out the middleman.
0: Just continuing Jason Alexander's trend of playing gross characters.
3: Oh, uh, but we can't, we can't blame it. Jason Alexander, the person. <laughs> no,
0: well, sure. But my mother will, because like she cannot watch a Jason Alexander movie, TV show, anything after he played the gross character in Pretty Woman. Oh. So Sally would absolutely blame Jason Alexander, the
3: person. Yeah, he, he definitely has been typecast because when I learned that, uh, I immediately thought I cannot continue to use a, a word coined by George Costanza. That's <laughs> how on earth is that possible? <laughs> a man who takes his shirt off to go to the
0: bathroom. Um, well, in 2003, so just two years after Shallow how comes out, the word pops up in Glamour magazine. And of course, if it's in Glamour, it's probably in other lady magazines by then. Um, but Glamour writes that it's a genetic fact. Some women have cankles, thick calf-like ankles. And so I feel like, The sentiment there is a little bit better because they're explaining that, hey, this is a genetic thing. Like, don't you know, this is not like you need to do crunches for your feet or whatever to get rid of it. It's just something that you will deal with. But it's just unfortunate that in the process, they really kind of went gung ho adopting the word cankle.
3: Yeah. And Autumn at the Beheld goes on to describe how, quote, by 2006, cankles had made it into men's health. Women's Health, Newsweek, Skinny Bitch, a small library of novels and unnoteworthy books, and the weekly World News, which recommended a magic spell to get rid of them, which involved the new moon, African Violet, and visualizing your cankles going to a person of your choosing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It
0: doesn't work, trust me. And you can't get rid of your belly fat that way either. Oh, Ladies man. and gentlemen.
3: Uh, so clearly it didn't take too long for cankle to enter its way into our almost everyday vernacular to the point now that this has gone from just being considered a genetic fact of like, okay, some women have thicker ankles than others. No big deal, right? Not so much anymore because the cankle has been completely pathologized. And we're going to talk more about that when we come right back from a quick break.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public.
3: What
1: happened?
0: Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago. And I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird.
1: Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then?
0: Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text. And it stays between friends. Random people can't see it.
2: All right. So before the break, we were talking about
0: kind of the history of of where the word cankle came from and where we got this concept that the daintier angle is the better angle. But we should definitely talk about how all of those trends and all of those perceptions have led us to where we are now, which is a state of affairs in which many people, not a ton, but many people have started to seek out plastic surgery for what they consider to be stocky ankles.
3: And regardless of how many women are actually undergoing this plastic surgery, this micro liposuction, it's still something that is brought up and mentioned in every single news story about it. It says, oh God, women are freaking out about their cankles. And so I. Suction. Um, and a lot of this really started in terms of the broader media coverage in 2009 when Gold's Gym launched its cankle awareness campaign. <laughs> so funny, right? And that led to all of these media outlets being like, oh, cankles, what's going on? Oh, should you go to the gym? Oh. And ABC Health, again, ABC, What's does the C in ABC stand for cankle or something? Because they're really into this. Uh, ABC Health covers this cankle awareness campaign from Gold's Gym, this uh, ad campaign they had, and asked whether, you know, ladies, are cankles the new muffin top? <sighs> and even to the point that their article, their report on cankles, the lead was, While you were busy worrying about muffin topping over the waistband of your jeans or cottage cheese on your thighs, you should have been fretting over the shapeliness of your ankles. (laughs) Cankles or less than svelte ankles are the thunder thighs of the new millennium. What is
0: wrong with them? What is wrong with them that they are not only talking about cankles, fine, talk about cankles, we're talking about cankles, but they're literally saying you should have been
3: fretting over the shapeliness of your ankles. Well, and they also just went pretty much down the female body like muffin top. Oh, cellulite. Oh, Thunder thighs, too. Just pulling the thunder thighs out of nowhere.
0: I, I mean, ABC Health is doing... We talk on the podcast a lot about the policing of women's bodies. This is like a... Insanely crystal clear version example of policing women's.
3: Bodies. This is the SWAT team. <laughs> they let out the SWAT team on that. Um, and then in 2011, uh, Marie Claire published an article on the kinkle surgery trend, trend in quotes, um, because it, it does lead to the question of how many people does it take to form a trend? Um, because there aren't hard numbers on precisely how many People are getting this liposuction, Um, but this Marie Claire article was really a first person report of this woman who was dissatisfied with her ankles her whole life. And it really bothered her. And apparently a side note, she I hope this was made up, talked about how her boyfriend would always make doodles of her with ugly ankles um, which, honey, I don't think you need liposuction, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh but it's really just her journey to getting this surgery. Yeah,
0: and so the whole deal with the surgery that she went through is that if you're the best candidate for it, you can't have ankles that are too muscly or bones that are too big to get in the way. And it's all about getting to the fat pads in that region of the leg. The thing is, it's going to run you four to six thousand dollars plus an extra seven hundred and fifty bucks for an anesthesiologist. And okay, so let's say you have the money, you have the will. Now, as far as recovering from it, it's sort of insane. Uh, two months post-surgery, this woman still had a lot of swelling and numbness, but it can take up to 10 months to fully recover from this.
3: And she felt like it was worth it. She lost an inch off both ankles, and she was thrilled. Apparently, her boyfriend stopped with his rude doodles, and that was the, the happy ending to her story. And uh, what's really interesting though is the fact that with this procedure, it's referred to as a micro liposuction because the plastic surgeon will use a cannula or tube that's roughly the diameter of a ballpoint pen. And I want to emphasize that just to get across how 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 specific this spot reduction is, paying 6000 plus dollars to have someone with that tiny of a tube, just suck out some fat. And I don't want to delegitimize people's feelings and insecurities about their ankles because we've clearly established that we have been pointing at these things for a very long time and saying, hey, if you don't have the specific, if you don't have the genetics to give you the specific kind of ankle, then you should really feel unladylike. But going to surgery is... Quite extreme.
0: Yeah, and like Kristen said, we, we don't have exact stats on this particular micro liposuction. Lipo in general is the most common plastic surgery in the U.S. Um, but plastic surgeons definitely aren't in a rush to sort of woo women away from getting their ankles done. Um, there was a 2014 study called Laser Assisted Lipolysis for Kangle Remodeling, a prospective study in 30 patients that looked at the procedure, different ways of doing the procedure and its success and everything like that. And uh, they used a certain language choice, a word choice that I myself would not have used and was sort of horrified to see it used in this abstract. Well, and it's one that noted prima donna Lucrezia also used. She did. So this is this is what this is a 2014 study. Lucrezia wrote her essay in 1915. So we're approaching the 100 year anniversary of people being jerks about ankles. So in this study, they write. Unesthetic fat cankles, where definition between the calf and ankle is impossible, are a frustrating aesthetic deformity.
3: Deformity. Huh. We're still referring to it as a deformity almost 100 years later.
0: Yeah. Something that is completely normal and
3: genetic is being called a deformity. Yeah. And it, and it goes on to say the deformity, which are exacerbated by genetic conditioning and special resistance, to diet. And this kind of cankle remodeling is a safe and reproducible technique that's particularly appreciated by the patient. Because again, this is a matter of genetics. You can't diet or exercise the shape of your ankles away. Granted, ankle size can fluctuate with obesity. However, A lot of times, the shape of your ankles are, it's just the shape of your ankles. That's that they look how they look. And, um, really quickly, going back to the point of not knowing how many uh, procedures are actually happening every year, a lot of times doctors will report that they get, you know, a few dozen up to, you know, say 60 or 80 patients a year. The fact though that it's getting so much news coverage and it's being reported on as a trend, is only going to send those numbers up even yeah. more because it pathologizes it even more and probably leads more women like me when I was probably 10 years old to like look at my ankles for the first time and think, Oh, are they the right shape? What if they are the right shape?
0: Okay. Well, so we've talked a lot about the, the trends in body shaming, uh, that have led to a lot of women seeking surgery, seeking spot exercises for this, but let's, let's throw out some actual, calf ankle region facts, shall we? Yes. First and most important is it's not a medical condition. The cankle is not a medical condition. Everyone has differently sized ankles largely due to genetics. And so if you do feel that you have cankles It's typically because of the gastrocnemius muscle, which is, quote, you know, the belly of the calf, attaching lower on the leg to the soleus muscle above the Achilles tendon. So the calf and ankle don't look as differentiated.
3: So it's all about how the inside of your body is put together, which relies on genetics? For the most part. Yeah. There are some situations in which ankles will swell, such as abnormal water retention, tendinitis, pregnancy, Achilles tendon injuries. There's also something called uh, lipoedema, which is uh, a rare disorder where you have fat deposits on the lower extremities. And again, uh, with obesity, however, for the most part, it's... Just how your body is built. Yeah, and they talk
0: about, so one thing I know, I remember having this conversation in college with a woman who, uh, longed for the very perky, uh, calf muscles of a woman who was at the bar. She saw this woman wearing heels and was like, God, I wish my calves looked like that. That is actually addressed in one of these things that we read, that in the same way that you can have these muscles attach very low on your leg, so it looks like you have stock your ankles, you can also have it situated very high. So that, okay, yes, if you're a runner or you do exercise or whatever, you're bound to have a more taut calf muscle that is maybe more apparent when you're walking around in heels. But
3: part of that is genetic also. And just in terms of how your muscles attach to your bones and fat deposits and... Yeah, imagine that. It's just, it's the way that you're made. Well, and that was something that that Marie Claire writer, Samantha Marshall, um, mentioned too. Like at the beginning of her column about going to get this liposuction, she says, my mother has them, her mother had them, and I too was born with the lower legs of a plow horse. So there's this acknowledgement of... Well, this is how my body is built, but it not conforming to this very, very specific and rather arbitrary beauty standard. And again, like any exercise physiologist you talk to will say you cannot spot reduce them because there are still plenty of columns and plenty of women's magazines and dubious websites about ankle exercises, how to get those slender ankles for the summertime, to wear your gladiator sandals with pride. But you can't really do it. And again, it's not a medical condition. Although, if water retention is a problem, if suddenly you have uh, swollen ankles like you haven't had before, you probably want to go see your doctor. Yeah. But you probably don't want to go see your plastic surgeon.
0: Right. And and the way that I personally put things in perspective sometimes, uh, just about stuff like this, not necessarily just about cankles, but I imagine... Old advertisements from the turn of the 20th century and how we laugh at those and we say this is so ridiculous. They're saying these terrible things to women and they're, they're marketing these awful contraptions that are just, they're just Treating something that doesn't need treating with something that looks like a torture device. And and I think about that. And then I think about women's magazines and other websites and advertisements that we look at today and how we just buy them. We we fall for them hook, line and sinker. And so for me personally, that helps keep a lot of the rigmarole that comes across in women's magazines in perspective.
3: Yeah. I mean, because this going back to... The, you know, the era of the Gibson girl and when we first started seeing the ankle peek out from underneath hemlines, this really was a made up beauty standard in the sense of, oh well, well, what do we think about it? What should it look like? Because there are other things in terms of uh, feminine beauty standards and uh, common markers of attraction, such as symmetry and bright red lips and bright white eyes and all of those kinds of things that you can, you know, get into evolutionary biology of signals of fertility and health and all of that to where it can make a little bit more sense that we emphasize it so much. But... Not with the ankles, the an- slender ankles are not a sign of, of fertility or anything like that. So I wonder, though, Caroline, if one thing that would help with all of this, um, because I have a feeling that for some people listening, they're going to say oh, ankles, who cares? But for the people who feel this, mm-hmm. this is probably resonating big time. Yeah. Um, do we need to retire cankle? Is that, I mean, would that help? I
0: think there were a a couple sources that we looked at. um, And I think Autumn Whitfield-Madrana was one of them who called for, or just called out the fact that we name body parts, imaginary body parts Mm -hmm. that we're unhappy with. Things like muffin top, basically creating language for something that we're unhappy with, which in turn makes us even unhappier with it. And so, yeah, I think let's cankle is such a mean, ugly word, whether we're using it about another woman or whether we're using it about ourselves. It's mean. And so, you know, I will I will take the pledge to just call it an ankle. Yeah, it's just an ankle. But also to just not talk about other women's body parts.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that would be helpful. (laughs) Although for one one last uh, fun fact for our listeners before we sign off, Caroline, can we mention Our favorite nickname for a body part that we found, I believe, from the 18th century in reference to a large belly that I totally want to bring back. Yes. The corporation.
0: (laughs) Wasn't that an 18th century term? Yeah, it was either 18th or 19th. Uh, it was both known as a corporation and alternately a, a bay window.
3: A bay window. And both of those are glorious.
0: D- down with big corporations. I just, I, I'm going to refer to my tummy as either a corporation or a bay window from now on.
3: Well, and according to the US Supreme Court, corporations are people too, so. <laughs> Watch out, watch out how you talk about about it. Um, so now we want to hear from our listeners about this ankle issue. Is this something that resonates with you? And guys, is this something that you pay attention to at all? I feel like anecdotally, I have heard guys talk about their calves, like the size of calves, guys who can't build up um, much muscle mass in their calves because, like you talked about, Caroline, how the muscle attaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if... I don't know. Do guys, do guys have cankles? Let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And you can also tweet us at Podcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you when we come right back from a quick break.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to
2: hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking.
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: And now back to the show. Well, I've got a Facebook message here from Rita and she writes, I just listened to your podcast, Curly Hair Conundrums, and I was really pleased to learn the history behind all of the effort I put into my hair. I'm originally from Central America, and I suffered from straight discrimination and harassment because of my tight, curly hair, as my hair texture isn't common there. I never understood why, but all of my classmates, friends, and even relatives looked down on me because their hair was smooth and mine was not. Even my dear grandma felt that way. She was the first one to take me to get my first relaxer so I could look like her. Since that first time, I've been spending a small fortune and countless hours making my hair straight and smooth. I feel as I've accomplished that and currently receive compliments on how pretty and well-groomed my hair is all the time. After listening to your podcast, I feel empowered to have curly hair. However, societal expectations worry me because I'm fresh out of college looking for a job and having a transition period is not a wise idea. But a part of me that was the aim of ridicule is now a source of empowerment. Thanks, Rita. And love your hair and all of its curls. I have a letter here from
0: Mackenzie in regards to our entire weird parental psychology week where we talked about mama's boys and daddy's girls. She said, when you started talking about LGBT parents, I knew I had to write in. I grew up at the intersection of daddy's little girl and Mackenzie has two mommies. Long story short, my married Mormon parents got a divorce after my mom came out as a lesbian and moved in with her longtime love. My dad remained in my life, and I always had a close relationship with him. As many of your sources theorized, having a close relationship with my dad taught me about how I wanted to be treated by men. My dad thought I hung the moon, and my future husband would, too. However, I learned what a beautiful relationship looks like from my mom's. They have always been crazy for each other, and it shows. Although they rarely so much as kiss in front of their kids, their relationship is obviously so deep. They are equal partners in all things. I knew that was the relationship I wanted. Cut to today, and I am engaged to a wonderful, fiercely feminist man. He loves me the way my dad taught me I should be loved, and we have a relationship that mirrors the equality in my mom's relationship. Sorry for the long note. I just had to share this unique experience. Thanks for all the awesome podcasting. You ladies helped me make sense of the crazy world around me.
3: So thank you for your great letter, Mackenzie. And thanks to everybody who's written in to us. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. And again, you can tweet us at Podcast or message us on Facebook. And for links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one with our sources, in case you want to learn more about the history of trinkles, head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com.
2: not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your
3: life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865.
2: Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter.